Hello everybody and thank you for joining me for this new episode of The Daily Optimist. Today is Thursday, it is April 1st. Don't worry, I won't be playing any April Fool's jokes on you, because I didn't have time to prepare any. I also don't think that I could play one by giving you some fake positive news or some news stories. So, if you are a prankster, enjoy your April Fool's Day. If you're not a prankster, hopefully you are not getting pranks on you. Uh, well, we'll see. It is April. In April, I was just looking at uh, April, and what kind of mm, national month is it, if you will? Like, what do we celebrate in April? Of course, we have April Fool's Day. Oftentimes, if you celebrate Easter, it falls in April. Um, outside of birthdays and things like that, what else do we celebrate in April? And it looks like there is a rather long list of national and international um things uh, are day uh, awareness of and it's you know like tomorrow is uh, autism awareness day so you know look into that how you can help with autism awareness uh there's you know a bunch of other things like there's it's mathematics awareness month as well month of the military child um these are all national months and then there's like International Guitar Month, recognized in several countries, and um, International Amateur Radio Month, and that's observed globally. So I guess I I fall in that it's Amateur Radio Month, and this is a form of radio, if you will. So that's fine. But I also see that it is um, African American Women's Fitness Month. Interesting, but it's Black Women's History Month. Which made me think about how February was Black History Month, March was Women's History Month, and now April is Black Women's History Month. They had to separate that one out because it didn't get taught in the other two months that were specifically designed to try to talk about those. Hmm. What does that say about Black women in history? Just want you to be aware of that. So, um... I talked about black women in Black History Month and in um, Women's History Month, but uh, just thought that was an interesting little detail. But I also see that is Celebrate Diversity Month, which we obviously are still in need of around the world to celebrate diversity instead of being afraid of it or whatever the case may be. And then I noticed um, it is also Confederate History Month. Hmm. We have a month dedicated to Confederate history. I certainly hope it teaches that the war for the Confederates was fought majority because they wanted to keep slavery. I don't know where that's taught. I mean, it's a national month calendar, if you will, that I'm seeing. So, I don't know. I might have to do a little digging into what is taught during that month for Confederate history. But nonetheless, I will certainly celebrate Diversity Month. And like I said, tomorrow, of course, I won't be with you because it's Friday, but reminder, it's Autism Awareness Day. So make sure you are aware and uh, look into it if you're not. All right. Interesting little thing for the month of April. Now let's get to our stories. Thank you for joining me. My name, of course, is Elijah Manning, and you are listening to 
The Daily Optimist. So my first news story comes from the WHO and kind of uh, beyond that, but most of it comes based off of what the WHO found as they went to China to investigate uh, where COVID came from. So there's um, the report that stated that they believe it is highly unlikely that the virus was created in a lab. Um which, of course, has been a possible conspiracy that has been happening because Wuhan has a history of um, tests and things in, of nature uh, because they are very secretive and a state-run institution uh, that is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, and this is according to the NPR.org article I'm reading. Um, so we know that our former twice-impeached president, Donald Trump, uh, of course, really played up conspiracy theories and blamed China for the, the virus, um, knowing that it came out of China, but he blamed it in a very absurd way. But nonetheless, um, you know, people are asking the questions now about what kind of investigation were they actually able to do within the uh, Wuhan Institute of Virology. And that's a legitimate question. I don't know because I uh, am not privy to that information. I can only read articles and um, read reports and things of that nature. Um, but the WHO Director General, Tedros, uh, does not believe the team's assessment of the lab leak possibility was extensive enough. So um, there's Jamie Metzl. Uh, as well, a senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, and he has been uh, advocating for a deeper investigation. He said, I'm not saying that I am certain that COVID-19 stems from an accidental lab leak, but it would be absolutely irresponsible and could only be politically motivated to say that it's not even worth a full investigation. So, once again, I don't know... Um, what type of investigation they did, but they were working with uh, the Chinese government on it. So is it possible that there was some secretive uh, thing that the Chinese government did not show them? Absolutely. Is it possible that this was created in the lab? Absolutely. Is it possible that it was uh, just created by nature? Absolutely. I don't know if we'll ever truly have a have an answer to this question. Um, because, you know, as this MP article states, there are obviously lots of politics at play here. Um, we know that the relationship between China and the U.S. specifically has, um, slowly eroded more and more over time, and especially with what happened with the last administration, but it hasn't gotten any better since the new administration, um, the Biden administration joined 13 other governments to criticize the WHO report and call for more openness from China on Tuesday. Uh, that, again, is from the NPR article. Um, they did not say that the the, the lab leak theory is, is possible, but they also did not rule it out. So I don't know. Um, it's leaving a lot of questions unanswered still, and that's kind of irritating. But at the same time, where we are now... We still need to 
um, not focus necessarily on uh, the energy and effort to figure out exactly what caused it. We need to stop it right now still. So I'm wondering if the um, investigation will continue once we have a better handle on it worldwide. <clears throat> Excuse me, maybe it will, maybe it won't. I don't know. We shall wait and see. But it is interesting report nonetheless. My second news story is going to come from Texas. So, like Georgia, Texas Republicans have basically found a way to put tougher uh, voting restrictions on. And a lot of this is, of course, going to be affecting um, people of color, black and brown communities, Asian communities in general. Uh, so they're going to reduce options to cast ballots, limiting poll hours, and hand more power to partisan poll watchers. And of course, a lot of this all stems from our former twice-impeached president who spouted nothing but uh, lies about voting. So these states that have been typically more red, um, we know Georgia has turned blue, and I know it's the politics of it, but what it really is is a way for these states to stay Read and to limit the power that minorities can have within their state. Um, it passed the 18 to 3 um, with everybody voting along party lines in the uh, state demo, uh, state bill, rather, as it went through their state senate. Yeah, so this is not good news for, for them. Um, this is according to the CBSnews.com article I'm reading. One measure would eliminate drive-through voting, which more than 127,000 people around Houston used during early voting last year. And more than half of those voters were black, Latino, or Asian. And that uh, was told to CBS News, or uh, at least said by Democratic State Senator uh, Carol Alvarado. And then she said, hearing all of that, who are you really targeting when you're trying to get rid of drive-through voting? Um, so Republicans, of course, are saying that, you know, this is not Jim Crow all over again, because in Georgia, that's what people have been comparing it to. Uh, and in Georgia, they even signed it right in front of a picture of a plantation. Um, that doesn't strike me as, uh, just a coincidence that strikes me more of, uh, a planned detail. That didn't happen in far, uh, Texas as this is moving forward because it's not quite signed yet, but we'll see if it does get signed and what it will look like as it does get signed. Um, so part of the reason is because, uh, again, this is due to the CBSnews.com article, Trump won Texas, but by fewer than six points, and it was the closest victory by any GOP presidential nominee in Texas since 1996, which basically, they say, underscores... The Republicans lose loosening iron grip on the state. Um, we know as the pandemic is still uh, around, the article talks about how people couldn't really come in and um, testify as to why this is terrible because of fears of coronavirus, because masks are not enforced in Texas and people who are, are afraid don't want to put themselves at, at risk because of it. 
um, and therefore it didn't give them the opportunity to be able to come and speak uh, about the bill that they are doing. Um, so there's one um, lady, Ophelia Alonzo, she's 25, and again, according to the article, she's a volunteer with Civil Rights Advocacy Group Texas Rising and Volunteer Deputy Registrar. She drove from uh, her her town in Cameron County to there, and she says, uh, you know, she did it because, honestly, she says, because we all work during voter registration. We know how nonsensical this bill is. It makes absolutely no sense to criminalize people for wanting to participate in democracy, which should be our goal. It is almost like Texans get punished for coming out and voting in large numbers. So again, just like in Georgia, uh, Texas seems to be doing everything possible to make sure it's harder for um, minorities and uh, thing and people of color in general to have uh, easy access to voting. They're trying to make that more and more difficult. There's even um, something about people with disabilities uh, needing a doctor's note, although they say the, the language could change. Um, but I don't know. It's pretty, pretty terrible and disappointing that these are even, uh, continuing to be discussed and that somebody is putting these bills forward, knowing full well that it is old school Jim Crow tactics. And yeah, it just really angers me, frustrates me. And um, makes me want to continue my fight and have other people in their communities and neighborhoods uh, fighting equally as hard. So if you can do anything about that, you know, make your voice heard. Make your voice heard. All right, I'll be back in just a moment and we're going to switch to some positive news. It's time now for some positive news. Alright, so, it's going to sound negative to start, but it turns positive. So there was a toddler, a three-year-old, I believe, missing in Ontario. Um, I believe that's where it is. And he had been missing for three days, lost in the woods uh, of North Kingston, Ontario. But... The good news is, he was found alive and well. And this is according to the globalnews.ca article I am reading. And um, police say that they found him and he was by a lake sleeping. Um, what they call uh, Beaver Pond, I guess. Um, so they had been searching for him, obviously, for three days, like I stated. And for whatever reason, they couldn't find him. He was only found... Um, about a little over than a half mile away from where he first went missing. And they're not sure why they couldn't find him at first and, you know, how they kept missing him as they had quite a, uh, a large number of people looking for him. Um, I forget the exact numbers. I'm looking for it in this article, like I said, from Global News again. Um, but... For whatever reason, they say he was able to uh, evade them, um, but 
it it teamed out. Uh, so it says it had a hundred officers and search and rescue volunteers on the ground, canine units, helicopters, and water search and rescue teams. But they say it's possible he was on the move. So they could have been looking in one area and he had run to a different area or whatever the case may be. Like I said, he was gone for 72 hours. But um, what uh, they say is what we can say for sure is that he was dressed very well for the or dressed for the weather. He had a winter jacket on with a heavy wool sweater. His boots were still on. So given all those bonuses, he thrived. Actually, he did very well. And that was um, said by um, a man named uh, Dick. I'm not certain where the, the first name or last name is. Um, but, oh, Curtis Dick. He is the constable with the front, uh, front Tenick County. I think I said that right. So, again, this young three-year-old missing for three days was found alive and well. He was dressed for the weather thankfully and he seemed to be responding very well and he looks like he will be doing just fine so thank you to all the volunteers police officers who were able to find him up in uh, the ontario forest my next story comes about a young man well i say young man i'm not certain how old he is but a man who has developed an app to help uh, college kids so his name is Michael DeVore, and he, back in 2017, this is according to OptimistDaily.com, no affiliation, but maybe someday we will, who knows, uh, OptimistDaily.com. Back in 2017, DeVore, he was an alum of historically black Claflin University in Southern Carolina, or South Carolina, rather. He was uh, had this idea that to develop an app that would connect college students with barbers and hairdressers for important occasions. So what they did was it offers discounts uh, for you know students, and um, it get, also gives barbers new uh, clients as well. So it's good for both, and it's to help them you know as they need to make sure they look good for the new interviews or whatever the case may be as they may not have as much money yet because they're uh, young attempting to become their professional career. Um, so he was helped with uh, an Aussie mentorship that taught him how to implement his plans and turn his idea into an app called a live chair or live chair. I'm not sure which way he wants to pronounce it. My guess is live chair, but it could be live chair. I don't know. Um, so they got it up and running and they also added in, um, health check-ins. So there, you know, in the minority communities, there's a lot of distrust with, um, emergency rooms or doctor's offices in general with good reason. They've been underserved and we could talk about that another day, but, uh, if you're interested, you can find lots of information on that. Um, you know, just implicit bias in, um, the medical field and, and reasons that there is mistrust within uh, communities of color. But I'll leave that for you. Maybe I'll talk about it another day. But as DeVore says, a lot of minority men don't feel comfortable in hospitals and are in medical distress. So what they've done is while you're there, you can also, you know, have things like your blood pressure checked while you're sitting in a chair getting your hair done. Um, so to as of this printing which is today i'm reading it uh 
Live Chair Health has raised more than $800,000 in funding and is currently undergoing Series A funding as well. I'm not quite certain what that means, but I'll look into that. And if you are interested in contributing, you can go to this uh, OptimistDaily.com article and you can click here and it will bring you to the page that you can um, go to or you can go to LiveChair.co.co. So those are a couple ways if you are interested in being involved, you can. All right. I thought that was a great story as well. So, now it's time for me to give you a positive step for your weekend. Alright, so, for your weekend, I just want you to do one thing. Listen. No, that was it. I want you to listen. Alright? So, what does that mean exactly? It means listen to other people. It means listen to nothing. Listen to music, listen to the birds chirping, listen to the sounds of your whatever the case may be, your apartment, your house, your your uh, community. Just listen. Listen and make it active listening, okay? There's a difference between active listening and inactive listening. And inactive listening is just the, the noise that becomes white noise in the background, which is fine to do, you know, tune out and just hear, have some white noise as well. But also I want you to listen actively to, you know, somebody telling you something or, you know, somebody talking about something with you in general, telling you a story, telling you how they feel or, or something along those lines. And then actively listen to the sounds of your community. And I'm not saying be a gossip or I'm not saying... um What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, be a busybody in everybody else's business and, and listen in on other conversations. That's when you can white noise it and just hear the people in general. But actually listen to your community. Like, find out what things your community is in need of. Um, and that's a way to listen. And I know that's kind of an active search listening, but same concept. All right? So just really listen to what's going on around you. Really hear it all. Okay? All right. I know. Easier said than done. That's why you have all weekend to do it. So my quote today is going to come from Pema Chaudron. And I could be mispronouncing the last name, Chaudron. And she is a Buddhist teacher, author, nun, and mother. And uh, you can check out her foundation as well, um, which has... A lot of different things going on, supporting at-risk communities, and there's a book initiative, training of nuns in the Himalayas. So, check that out, but her quote goes like this. Again, it's Pema Chadron, and her quote goes like this. If we learn to open our hearts, anyone, including the people who drive us crazy, can be our teachers. One more time. If we learn to open our hearts, anyone, including the people who drive us crazy, can be our teacher. So that goes right along with listening, okay? You have to actively listen. You may not agree with everybody. You may not agree with everything that's said. That's okay. You can still take it and learn from it. And that's what she means when uh, they can be your teacher, even someone who drives you crazy. If you listen, you can learn. It's harder to learn without listening. 
okay? See what you can do? It's a, it's a big step, but I know you can do it. All right, one more time with Pema Chodron's quote. If we learn to open our hearts, anyone, including the people who drive us crazy, can be our teacher. All right, listen this weekend. See what you can learn. Thank you very much for making it through this episode of The Daily Optimist. I appreciate each and every one of you for listening. As always, please rate, subscribe, and share. Rate so that other people can find it. Subscribe so you never miss it. And share with anybody who needs a little optimism and positivity in their day. Feel free to share. Check it all out. If you want, you can follow me on social media. I don't post all things all the time. But, you know, if you can reach out to me there if you want to talk or you can email me. I am at thedailyoptimist at yahoo.com. I am thedailyoptimist at yahoo.com. And like I said, you can also f- Whoa, excuse me. find me on all social media platforms. All right. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy listening. Until next time, everybody, please be well.